Thank you for tuning into this sermon from New Life Student Ministries. Our goal is to inspire, equip, and support our students and families with biblically rich and God-centered teaching. These messages are meant to be supplemental and not substitutional for our weekly gathering. We hope this sermon is a blessing to you and your spiritual walk. The word, remember, everyone say, is living and active. Does that mean that this book only applies to a certain situation back in history? No. It applies to every day, every moment, every waking breath that we have. So if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, turn to Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to read it, and we're going to talk about the God statement, Jesus is humble. And it shows, so for me, not knowing what's next and, and moving on, one of the points is going to be that in order to follow Jesus, you have to humble yourself under his voice. And sometimes his voice comes in ways that you don't expect, or his guidance comes in ways that you don't expect. Pastor Tim Keller said this. He said, God, God's guiding is more something he does than something he gives. And here's what I mean. If I were to give you, like Jack, if I were to give you a map, would it be me doing guidance or just giving guidance? giving guidance. But if I were to walk with you to the treasure and move you along, is that doing or giving? Doing guidance. So sometimes we all wish, I don't know how many of you guys have ever prayed this prayer, God, just tell me what to do. Raise your hand if you've ever prayed that prayer. Tell me what to do. Or maybe you were like me in YWAM. Where, have you ever read the story of Gideon in the Bible where he lays out a fleece? I literally did that in YWAM. I took a towel and laid it out saying, God, if, you're, if I'm supposed to go to this country, make the towel wet and the ground dry and vice versa. Everything was just wet because it rained. <laughs> it didn't work. I fasted for three days. Nothing worked. And then finally something else happened. But what I'm, what I'm here to say is sometimes we're asking, God, give me guidance. Give me guidance. When we don't realize that he's gently guiding us the whole time. It's not when God thus says the Lord speaks that's the only time he's guiding you, no. It's when he opens and closes doors. It's when he puts authority over your lives to change and move and shape what your life looks like. That's God's guiding. And the number one thing that we need to remember from this text that you are going to see is that Jesus, God himself, was willing to submit to the Father to be guided to death on a cross. Whoa. So let's go ahead and read Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And I'm going to take a few seconds to get to my Bible. I would like to read it from my Bible. Okay. We're going to read verses 1 through 13. So let's read together. So if there be, is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit. And remember, this is the word of the Lord, so let's not talk to each other. Where am I? Okay, I'm just going to start over. No, I'm just kidding. Um, any affection, any sympathy. Verse 2, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ, who, 
though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, to the glory of God our Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. This is the word of the Lord, and we guys say, thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we trust that you are in this place. We trust that your spirit will give us understanding to a word that's eternal in this text. We ask, Lord, that your mercy would cover us in error, me in speaking and them in listening, that we would not hear what we want to hear or speak what we want to speak, but all of us in mercy would receive your word today. We're so grateful for the opportunity to come around your word without fear of persecution, without fear of error because you have preserved your word through the eras. We ask that you would give us humility today like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, raise your hand if a sibling has ever taken credit for something you've done. <laughs> One kid's like me, me, like raising every foot and limb and hand. Yeah, raise, keep your hand up if that sibling was a younger sibling. Keep, now, what about if it was the older sibling? Okay, okay, both. Man, you're just sandwiched. Okay, put your hands down. Now, raise your hand if you didn't say anything and you just let it go. I don't think so. Every time. If you've done it every time, you've just let it go. Okay, that's what I thought. We love, as human beings, we love credit. Do you agree? Like the credits in a movie, they are so long. Even, even the guy in the background who walks around like this, tilts his hat, and then in the credits, Bob Jones, guy who walks, tilts his hat. He has to get credit. Or the guy who moves the cables, not even on camera, cable man number two. Yeah, that was me. We all love credits. And even for me, back with my prayer story, and we're back in high school, some of you have heard this before, some of you have not. Back in high school, I sued my school for not letting me pray. It reached national news. It wound up inspiring a movie called God's Not Dead 2, myself and like 10 others. And in the credits of that movie is my name. And when I saw that, I was like, bawled my eyes out because I was like, oh my goodness, I'm in a movie. And then I realized now, years later, how insignificant that is. It's, imagine this. Imagine an ant. You, have you ever just seen a colony of ants just like running around? Have you, one time as a kid, I was homeschooled. I didn't have a lot to do. So I just would stare at ants. And I would just stare. I'd probably kill ants too sometimes. I'm sorry. Forgive me. And what I would do is I would just stare at one ant. I'm like, what does this guy do? Like, what is his day? And he would go over here, then over here, then over here, then over here. Then he would disappear in the hole a little bit, then come back out. And I knew it was the ant because I spray painted it. Um, <laughs> and he would just go like over here and over there. 
And it seemed like he was doing nothing. But imagine if at night, and they all get together, they have their big ant colony like a bug's life, and the queen comes up and, hear ye, hear ye, I have a declaration. This spray-painted ant has done so much, and he's like all beaming with pride, but I'm just looking at him, bing, 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 bing. Like, it doesn't seem like a lot. We have to help ourselves remember, and I think one great way is we have the mountains here. Drive up into the mountains with your family and go camping where there's no lights, and just put a hammock up in the trees and just look at the stars. And let it make you feel small. Let it make you feel like, wow, I'm in such a big universe compared to all of this. See, there's a, a quote that says, how many of you guys just out of curiosity, some friends or you believe that there's aliens out there? Or your friends or your teachers or someone. Okay, put your hands down. Here's the thing. If the universe was made for just our home, just our, our habitat, I think there's aliens out there because it's just way too big for us to be the only living creatures. But if the only living, like the planet that only has life. If, however, the universe was created to display God's glory, I believe it's not even big enough. And I don't believe there's any life out there because it's showing how big God is in comparison to this tiny blue speck. Does that make sense? So, humility. What is humility? What do you think it is? Aaron? Being kind, telling the truth. Interesting. You got that? Put yourself before others, or others before yourself, Sam. You don't brag. You don't be like throw that that three point shoot and be like, "Oh, Kobe!" No. Bear what, or Landon, what are you gonna say? Okay. Well, not trying to put yourself above others. Interesting. Anybody from over here? I feel like that side's the talkative side, even when their hands aren't up. What? Go. Not what? Not seeking other people's reactions. That's good. How many of you think that being humble is easy? I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> Wilson. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> Let me learn you a lesson real quick. <laughs> it ain't easy. Here, here's, here's the test. Every day this year, do something really hard for your family and don't tell anyone that you did it. Then you'll know if being humble is easy. Okay, but back, back to the text. So we love taking credit, but do we notice here who is the one, does Jesus take credit? No. Who gives him credit? God. God gives, God Almighty the Father. I know it's kind of hard. Jesus is God. But hear me, Jesus could have walked around with all of the miracles. Do you know almost every miracle he said? Do you know what he said to the people after he heals them? He says, now go and tell no one. Imagine this. All of a sudden, you wake up one day and you snap your fingers and all of a sudden breakfast is made. And then you think of something else, you snap your fingers, you're dressed for school. Man, you would be walking down the hallway, hey guys, watch this, boom, boom. And you're just like doing things, right? Because God had so much power, he could have been, now go tell everybody. Wouldn't that be a smart move? 
But instead, he's being so humble because he's serving other people. This is God Almighty, and yet he's choosing to serve. So here's what we can take away, point number one from this text. Actually, I'm going to give you the aim. Here's my aim in in this small talk tonight. I want to introduce you to the life-changing humility in the person of Jesus. The life-changing humility of the person of Jesus. Not stories about Jesus' humility, but his active personal humility right now. I want to introduce you to that God. And I want that humility to change your life. I believe, full-heartedly convinced, that if we had a generation of young people live humbly, there's a, a passage that says, seek justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. If we actually had people who really walked humbly with their God, we could see an entire world change for the better. 100% believe that. The issue is our bent is toward pride, right? Our bent is toward getting the credit. And not just receive, it's okay to receive a compliment. Here, there's a false humility. Let's say um, Braddock does something awesome. You just like, you do a backflip right here, right now. And I say, bro, that was cool. No, 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 D- don't praise me. I don't, don't. That's false humility. Like, hey, thank you very much, right? And I've, in, in, as I've been leaving, I've had a lot of you come, hey, Pastor Chase, you've meant a lot to me, this or that. Imagine if I say, oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. Instead, I say thank you. And I receive it, right? There's, so don't be false hum- humble. But hear me, when we look at Jesus, he never tried to attach the credit to himself. He let it be attached where it was needed. But he always tried to give it away. And one great way, and we're going to look right here in this verse, it says, verse 4, Let each of you look not only to the, his own interests, but also to the interests of other. Having this in, in mind, oh wait, sorry, back up. Here we go. Verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit. In humility, count others as more significant than yourself. Story about how this relates is called a parallel passage in the Bible. Not necessarily parallel. Contextual. How it relates. John the Baptist's disciples, he was in prison. John the Baptist was in prison. He was a big, a big name in Jesus' time. John the Baptist. He was in prison in Herod's prison. And his disciples were sent by John the Baptist saying, are you actually the one we were waiting for? And he told the disciples, yes, go back, tell John the Baptist this. And he could have gone right back and started talking about how John the Baptist was declaring about him. But instead, Jesus, God of all creation, turns around and starts praising, not praising worship, but giving encouragement to John the Baptist, to his friends, with the, like behind his back. Imagine if we had a generation who instead of slandering behind our backs, we encouraged. Where, How many of you have ever wondered what people say behind your back? Imagine if 100% of the time you knew that what they said behind your back was encouraging. Do you feel like the confidence in your life would skyrocket? Do you believe? I believe that. This is what Jesus did. He didn't count others above himself And he was not gossiping behind other people's back. He was encouraging and edifying and building up. Because, remember, all of these New Testament books, it's not like Paul has one lesson, Jesus has one lesson. Everything ties together. The Bible is one unified story that leads to Jesus. So this lesson of counting others above yourself 
is displayed in the person of Jesus, and one of them is that story. So number one, how do we let Jesus's humility change our lives? We give encouragement away extravagantly. We give encouragement away extravagantly. What does that mean? It does not mean fake, shallow praise, right? Like, oh, wow, you hate their shoes, but because you have to say something nice, I love your shoes. Yay. No, no, no. What it means is actually, I'm going to pause. My words are going faster than my brain right now. How many of you can easily encourage someone you know really well? compared to someone you have no idea who they are, right? It's a lot easier. So here's the question. Let's say, let's say Jones is walking through school and he does not pay attention to anyone else, just himself. Here's the deal. Here's the question. Can he give away true encouragement extravagantly? No. He can only give away superfluous, unnecessary, vain praise. But if Jones, despite how popular he is, what? what he does is he pays attention to people and he sees them and he remembers their name. And let's say you have a conversation with him. Let's say Ashlyn has a conversation with Jones one day in the school hallway. And she, tells, and she tells him about how they're going on vacation and this and that. And the next time he sees her, Ashlyn, one, he remembers her name. Two, how was vacation? Tell me more about that. Do you see now he is so being so intentional? Hey, I'm so glad that you got to spend time with your family. I'm giving away not only encouragement, but my attention to other people. I'm choosing to say I will give extravagantly encouragement to other people. Encouragement doesn't have to look like a compliment. I can encourage you not by saying, dude, your watch is cool, but by sitting down next to you and sharing lunch with you and just hanging out with you right? And by the time I walk away, you're encouraged. Likewise, you've heard the story before in high school. The girl was a whole lap behind in the mile. I didn't encourage her with words like sitting down as I'm like sucking wind. I hate running, number one. Hate it. Those of you who do it for a sport. (laughs) Um, But I could have just been like, yo, good job. Your form looks great. No, I got up. And I ran over there and I ran with her. Didn't say a word. Said, hey, good job. And I walked away. And to this day, she wrote in my yearbook in senior year, that was the most encouraging moment of my high school career. What? Friends, Jesus' humility leads us to encourage, give away encouragement extravagantly. And not just the shallow world's encouragement. We get to give away holistic, true encouragement. What are some ways that someone has encouraged you directly and maybe indirectly? What are some ways that someone has encouraged you? Let's go with Mr. Cade right here. How is, there's two Cades. That's my brother Cade over there. Dude, you know his brother's name is Chase? Trippy. Okay. Okay. What, how has someone encouraged you either directly or indirectly in your life? Jonas, how have people 
I hear you. Right over here. What's your name one more time? Racy? Wait, Reesey or Racy? Gracie, sorry, Gracie. All right, Gracie, go for it. just a hard day in general. And I saw that you were really busy, but I knew that if I went to you, you would help me out or just like encourage me. And you had everything to do, but you went out of your time to encourage me. That's good. Thank you. Sorry, that's fine. <laughs> okay, I said your name, so Hayden and then Jones, I think. <coughs> Annabelle, what else? Okay, go ahead. Um, I'm just gonna do some of my prayers Love that, Jones. Uh, I say my pastors, um, I pray for you and my faith, and I just pray for that. And I pray for my parents and my mentors, just um, helping me through this. Love that. We pray for you guys. Love it. Then we went Annabelle. How have people encouraged you specifically? really cool, man. I love that. Okay, we'll go one more. Aaron, I saw your hand up. Um, so and then... Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> huh? That was a long, now my birthday backflip would be just like a, f birthday backflips will never come back <laughs> because I want to live. <laughs> okay, so number one, what does Jesus' humility teach us how to live? What was that point? 
teaches us how to do what? Give encouragement away extravagantly. Give encouragement away extravagantly. Number two, Jesus' humility based on this task show, or this text shows us that no task or person is beneath us. No task or person is beneath us. There will be times that you will see leaders or people will say, no, you're a leader now. You don't have to do that. If you ever get to a point where in your leadership you think, I am now above this task, you are not worthy to be a leader. All of us are called to be leaders of people to Jesus, fishers of men, disciples. No task. I don't care if you are the president of the United States one day or you're the president of some international missions board or whatever it is, no task is beneath you. You're walking down the street and someone needs help getting their groceries out of their car. There's trash on the ground at Desperation Conference coming up. That job is not just for the people who signed up to pick up trash. It's our job to steward our home well, right? No task is beneath us. And we can see this in how Jesus lived, right? He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The task of saving us, think about this for a second. Do you know who normally gets sacrificed in the Old Testament for sins? Who was it? Goats. Goats are stupid. They're smelly. If you yell, they scream back. If you scare a sheep, remember sheep are also, they could die. Not even kidding. If you jump scare sheep, man, if any of you jump scare sheep to death, let me know. But they could die. Hear me. Do you think that that, being the sacrificial lamb, is like, yes, I want to be a dumb sheep that might get scared to death? No. And yet, Jesus said that no task was beneath him, even the task of being sacrificed. We always, yes, we give it beautiful high praise, and it was a beautiful thing, but it was disgraceful. Even for a Jew to be hung on a tree was dishonor. We don't understand this. In our culture, we are a respect and disrespect culture. However, in Eastern cultures, like when I was in India, it's an honor and dishonor culture or a shame and honor culture. If you do something to dishonor your family, it's worse than death. Like it is heavy on your heart. And to, to a Jew hanging on a tree or being around elements of death like blood, which Jesus was covered in, or being exposed on the cross when the soldiers took his clothing, or even drinking the things that he was drinking, everything was shameful. It, yes, it's a beautiful act. The cross is a beautiful place. But we have to remember, it was an instrument of torture from the Romans, a way to humiliate their subjects into fear and submission. And Jesus took it for us. No task is beneath us. Two, no person is beneath us. We look at the Good Samaritan, right? I'm trying to help take this text, Philippians 2, and pair it with a lot of other texts. That way we can see it. So Good Samaritan, a priest walks by and a Levite walks by. That would be like a pastor. Pastor Victor's a worship leader. So myself, I'm a pastor. I would be the priest. Victor would be the Levite, worship leader. We both walk around because we feel like it's too difficult. It's beneath me. There are actually other tribes of Israel who take care of, the of other people, not me. It's my tribe. I'm above that. But then a Samaritan comes and takes care of him. 
Guys, just a Samaritan, that's like saying an Arizonan or a Coloradan. We always think good Samaritan equals a person of noble character. For all we know, this Samaritan could have been a multi-million dollar businessman. For all we know, this good Samaritan could have been someone of very high governmental rank. We don't know. And yet, to this day, what he's remembered for is not those things, but for the fact that no one was beneath him. Even Jesus, walking through a massive crowd, and I'm guilty of this. I've got my purpose walk. I don't know if you guys, you probably have seen it in five years. We're like, I just like walk, and you're afraid to like say hi because you don't want to like interrupt my focus. I'm just, so I've had to learn how to chill. But Jesus is walking through a massive crowd, massive celebrity, and he is so down to earth, one, giving himself away in encouragement, no task is beneath him, no person is beneath him. He's so down to earth that he feels the intentional touch of the woman who has been suffering with bleeding, and he stops. And he says, someone touched me. <laughs> the disciples, no, duh. It's like being in front during worship when you're jumping up around. Imagine pausing. Someone touched me. Someone. Someone definitely touched me. (laughs) And I bet that's what all the disciples are thinking. Like, Jesus needs to sleep. He needs a nap. But he comes over. And no, someone touched me. Because this person who was beneath everyone else, she had been shamed. That disorder for a woman meant you had to be put out in the camp. Like, you weren't even allowed near people. But Jesus comes up to her, and woman or daughter, your, your infirmities are healed. No person was beneath them. So what does it look like for us practically? Whew. Well, task. That looks like, let's say it's not your night to do the dishes. Does that mean that if you see that your sibling has had a hard day, not my night, peace out, sucker. No. <laughs> And it's their night to do the dishes. No, we're going to go do them together. And no, you're not going to be like, you're not going to whisper. So Jack, come here. It's like, we're, we're doing the dishes. And I whisper when my parents, yeah, I'm helping Jack. And then I whisper, you owe me. <laughs> right? No, I'm not going to say that. You can go back down. I'm not going to say that. I'm just going to be gracious. Do the dishes and walk away. To this day, I won't tell you what I'd. Huh. Okay. In YWAM, we were not allowed out of our bunks until like a certain, like at a certain time we weren't allowed out allowed, allowed out at a certain times. But I lost track of time and I was in the kitchen. The cleaning ladies had gone home uh, for the night and there was just stacks of dishes. Like people kept using it after the time you were supposed to use the kitchen. And it was like 15 minutes before curfew and there was like probably two hours worth of dishes. And I was like, looked around and snuck into the kitchen and I was just like doing dishes for two hours praying for my friends and stuff like to this day the most sweet space I've never told anyone this because it's been my secret with Jesus I love it it was the sweetest moment between me and Jesus because it was me just Jesus says in Matthew 6 and when you do good don't let anyone know don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing be be so guarded about it Instead, I could have said the next day, yeah, man, you guys at breakfast, you guys left a lot of dishes, but good thing I cleaned them all. How many of us have done that before, right? Our sibling leaves out their brownie plate. Man, I cleaned your brownie plate. Looks like you owe me your dessert tomorrow night or things like that. We do all these things. 
But we get to choose to be like Jesus. It's awesome. Now, a lot of these things are starting to stack up. Man, I, okay, I have to think about giving away generosity or ex, uh, encouragement extravagantly. I have to think about how no task or person is below me. There's more. Also, don't realize, don't believe that your cup of knowledge is full. Don't walk around like it's full. There will always be someone smarter than you in the room. And if we walk into the room thinking I'm the smartest in the room or I know how to do it, we will have been robbing people of their chance to contribute the gifts that they have. So for me, I really love running discipleship tracks. But I know in this room, let's say 10 years from now, one of you is going to be way better than me at running one of those. And I can't wait to walk into a room and have it there and get to sit back and watch one of you lead a discipleship track. Can't wait. And I'm not going to try and pitch in or like, no, you should do it this way or that way. That's my tendency. I, I like teaching, so I'm trying to back off. But in all of these things, you might feel like you are an expert Fortniter. Is Fortnite old now? How, raise, raise your hand if you still play it at least once a week. Do you, okay, what is the game now? What is the game? What is Call of Duty? That's like brain melting. Okay, apparently there isn't one. Apparently it's just TikTok. Let's say you're an expert. Let's say you're an expert TikToker. You are the TikToker of TikTokers. You're the guy who does, who's the guy who does? Like he put something down. Let's say you're him and you go, just, and you go to a TikToker convention. The tendency, the temptation will be to share everything you have. But what if we choose to sit back and we listen? Do you know that almost every question that Jesus was asked, he answered with a question? Because he wanted to draw out what was God had put inside of that person. Friends, imagine if we got so much better at asking questions of other people instead of giving our two cents. Imagine if, and I've said this over and over and over, comments create competition while questions create connection. If I just ask, like let's say he, he just broke his wrist. Let's say he says, yeah, I broke my wrist. I say, oh man, well, I had hip surgery. Oh. Right, just go on, and we go back and forth. Oh, well, I had shoulder surgery. Well, I dislocated three ribs. Well, I had two concussions before I was two. Well, I also had three concussions. See, and we go back and forth and back and forth. And it, and it doesn't always look that silly. It can be much more played down. But imagine, he says, I broke my wrist. Oh, man, tell me what happened. Like, how are you feeling? What's going on? I remember when I, I had hip surgery, this was hard. How have you been experiencing? Do you see how I'm creating connection by asking questions. Let's say I think I'm a pro at knowing how to go through the airport security. That's okay. I, I confess right now. I confess that I judge people who don't know how to go through airport security. I'm sorry. But I've been getting a lot better. A lot better. But the same, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? This idea of don't go into some place thinking that you're, shh, don't bring a full cup. 
of knowledge. You can bring a full cup of joy and optimism, half full, half empty type of thing. But don't bring a full cup thinking that you know it all. Jesus didn't even do that. And he was God. Like capital G-O-D, period. He knew everything. Like when he asked the question, who touched me? He was the one who made that finger and made the ability to, from the brain to the hand. He did that. Or when God was walking through the garden with Adam and he says, where are you? He wasn't like, where are you? No. He was asking a question to call them out. Friends, imagine if a generation had the humility enough to call out what God has placed inside of the people around them through questions, through humility. Humility is not flashy. It will not get you popularity or fame, but I promise you, it will, you, you will receive the smile of Jesus when he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and enter your rest. And I promise you, there's a song that says, thank you for giving to the Lord. One day I dreamt that you were in heaven with me. This was, I think, a, a guy talking about his grandma or something like that. And you walked up to Jesus and he said, great is your reward. And she looked back and person after person saying, hey, you don't remember me, but I was a second grader in your Sunday school class. And when you asked whoever wanted to submit their lives to Jesus, I was one of those people. I'm here because of you today. And person after person. And he says, and I looked up and there was a sea of faces as far as I could see. And Jesus said to her, great is your reward. Friends, we get to participate with God Almighty that alone should cause us to have pride. And yet, for some odd reason in the Christian life, it causes humble service. See, for me, I'm a visionary. I'm always thinking about how can I go out in a flame of glory? I remember as a kid, I, was, I loved this guy named Jim Elliott who died as a missionary in Ecuador, the Waodani people. A movie made after him and everything. And I, I pictured myself going to this certain people group and like getting martyred and like dying nobly for the cause of Jesus and having a movie made after me. And then I read this quote. The mark of an immature person is that he idealizes dying nobly for a cause. Compared to the mature person who seeks to live humbly for one. Imagine if we aspired to live humbly Humbly, like this guy, I think his name was Jack Stanton or something. I don't know his last name. I think his name was Jack. It wasn't you. Sorry. But he lived in the Tennessee mountains, and for years and years and years, he would chop wood and sell the wood so he could fund gospel literature to go around the world. He funded enough literature for over one million people to hear the gospel. And this is the first time, I mean, unless you've heard the story from me before, first time you've heard about him. Or Mother Teresa, she did not get up and call the attention to herself. She didn't go aspire to be a martyr. She lived humbly in Calcutta. And I've, I haven't been to Calcutta, but I've been to India. You get lost in a sea of people with a billion people in the place. And you just get to serve. I remember in India, working with the Dalit people, they have caste systems where if you're a Brahmin, you are the top of the top, creme de la creme. Like, you are the top. But if you're a Dalit, you are worse than cows walking around. No joke. And they have to scoop up the trash, and we got to go around. And I was literally with a bowl and a metal rectangle scooping up cow poop, 
human poop, trash, everything. And every time, I, I can't remember what, I think it was Vatican or if some word was God bless you. Every time I would in, like interact with someone else of the Dali people who was doing what I was doing, I would say, God bless you. And they would just look like, why is this white American who's technically like almost always a Dali or like a, a higher class, why is he doing this? It's because Jesus is humble. Friends, we, I believe that a generation of humble kids will change, literally change the course of history. No, you will not be in movie credits. No, you will not be in the history books. But one place matters, being written in the Lamb's book of life and hearing Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. And in all of this, I want us to pinpoint this last verse. This last verse. Verse 12 and 13 says this. Therefore, my beloved, you have always obeyed. So now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Pause right there. If we just stopped there and didn't relate it to the fact that the gospel is good news, we would think, oh, shoot, it's up to me to live humbly, to, to seek to show encouragement extravagantly. What was the second point? No person, task, or person is beneath you. And what was the third point? Come on. Yeah. Don't have your cup full. Well done. And those three things, we think that it's up to us. But look at verse 13. For it is God who works in you. Right there, that's the gospel. It is God who works in you. More than that, both to will and to work for his pleasure. What he's saying is God, when you spend time with him, will actually give you the will to do it. A.K.A. he will give you the desire. I almost guarantee you that if we are not mature in Christ, we will never desire to not take the credit. We will never desire not to put others above ourselves. Like, we don't want to do that. But when we spend time with Jesus, abiding in him, he becomes like us, or we become like him so much so that we can't distinguish where he ends and we begin. And what that happens, when that happens... That's God working in you to change your even, even your desires. And on top of that, to work out your own salvation. Remember, look, it says this. Work out your own salvation, but God will work for you. Doesn't that kind of seem like a contradiction? Work out your own salvation, but God will do the work. It's kind of like your parent. Some, if we don't think of it through the lens of the gospel, it's like your parent saying, clean your room, and then goes and cleans your, cleans your room for you. You're like, Huh? I think more so what the gospel is trying to say is imagine if all of a sudden, like, you're totally paralyzed, right? You're just totally paralyzed. And now you say to me, go clean your room. One, that would be rude. <laughs> Two, that would be impossible. But imagine... If, yes, it is my responsibility to clean my room, but the person who is giving me the command is the one who is doing it for me while I watch. And 
giving me the credit. That's what the salvation of the cross is. He says, Jesus says in Matthew, I think it's either at the, it's a, I think it's at the end of verse, end of five or the end of six, one of the two. It says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. That's the command. It's kind of like telling a, a totally paralyzed person, go clean your room. It's impossible. And yet, later on in scripture, it talks about how we are the perfection of God because he has given us his perfection. This is the gospel. Jesus, our God, is humble. And if we want to be his followers, the first thing that needs to characterize us is our humility. No, humility does not look like getting pushed over, being a doormat. It doesn't look like taking abuse from someone. It doesn't, no, no. What it looks like is being so radically willing to give out encouragement, to not let any task or person be below you, to not let your cup be full, and to realize in all things it's God who is doing it in you. That's the last point. Realize that it is God who is doing it in you. That's what this last text says. Uh, worship response team, you guys can come on up now. And you, or it's just J-Lo? Just you? Okay. What are you singing? Okay. So here's the deal. He's singing the, a, a song called Overall. And what this is, yeah, you can move my stuff if you need to. And there's a music stand behind you. Um, he's going to be singing the song Overall. And I want us to remember that God, who is over all things, was the same God who humbled himself even to death on a cross. And more than that, humbled himself to become a child, a baby. I still have to clean Easton's diapers. He can't even do it for himself. God chose that because he wanted us to become like him and be with him. This is what it means for Jesus to be humble. Do we understand this? So let's go ahead and stand to our feet. And while we're singing, here's what I, here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, where in my life has your humility not radically changed me? Am I not willing to listen to correction? Am I not willing to listen to wise voices in my life? Am I taking credit for things that maybe even not be mine? Am I bolstering my opinion of myself and maybe inflating the truth to make myself look good? Where, where has the humility of Jesus not come in taken hold and transformed you. I want you to ask him, and I want you to invite him into that place. Let's sing this together. Thanks again for listening to this message from New Life Student Ministries. If you want to keep up with what's happening with us, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NL Student Ministries.